Welcome to another episode of the show. I'm diving right in because this is a great show. A great show. You've heard me say I've got you know this a handful of times, and I'm telling you right now, this guest, the approach that this guest takes to life and to creativity, uh, and the timeliness of his message is critical. It's critical for you to pay attention to this episode. And again, if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm Chase. I want to welcome you to the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This is where I sit down with the world's top creators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and I do everything I can to unpack their brains with the goal of helping you live your dreams in career and hobby and in life. My guest today, Stephen John Irby, aka Steve Sweatpants, is a renowned street photographer. He's also the co-owner and co-founder of Street Dreams Magazine. They've got headquarters in Brooklyn and Vancouver. And these publica- this publication that he produces showcases up-and-coming photographers. It also crowdsources photos via Instagram to create a physical and a digital zine, which is unlike anything of its kind. It is a beautiful zine. And this sort of underpins Steve himself as a creator Born in Brooklyn and raised in Queens, um, the majority of Steve's photographic work is derived from the endless source of inspiration found in his home turf, um, with some intriguing travelogues to round out what has become um, an, an insanely compelling portfolio that is behind his rapidly emerging recognition in the photojournalism community. Um, he shoots in primarily in black and white. Um, but most recently, he's been published in incredible places like GQ and The New Yorker, specifically in response to the demonstrations for racial equality, the BM, BLM movement worldwide that is everywhere, as it rightly should be right now. So this episode is timely. Uh, it is relevant to any creative endeavor. Um, we talk a lot in this episode about truth, about how... Steve, maybe it's a lot like you right now, went from working in retail and playing video games instead of focusing on school or your craft, from going from from that place of being in the backseat to being in the driver's seat, to being on assignment for GQ and The New Yorker, and becoming a voice, uh, a voice for the voiceless and a voice, importantly, for cultivating the change that the creator, that's you, that's Steve wants to see in the world. Another way of saying this is to say how to create impact with your creativity. Uh, We also cover some really broad ranging uh, topics like the meaning of no and what that can do to um, both set you back and and more importantly, fuel your work. Uh, We also talk about other things that fuel the fire that we have as creators and entrepreneurs and how you personally can learn from that. We talk about developing a personal style, something that you've heard me rant on about forever that I think is critical to creativity and to making um, not just a living, but specifically a life around the things that you love. Personal style is critical and very importantly, how to determine the stories that you want to tell as an artist using this this creative gift that we all, including you, have had in us since birth. So I'm going to get out of the way and welcome you to this amazing episode with Stephen Irby, a.k.a. Steve Sweatpants. Before we do, just a super quick word from Creative Live, and then we're into it with Steve. 
Hey, oh, hey, uh, new sponsor alert. So this episode of Chase Jarvis Live is brought to you by Creative Live. And you all know, yeah, of course, I am the founder of that company. But I got to just be straight up. This is unequivocally, no questions asked, the best place in the world for creator and entrepreneurial education. I mean, frankly, nothing even comes close. And it's the only one that's focused specifically on photography, design, video, art, music, craft, and maker and the ability to make a living and a life in all those disciplines. It's where the best teachers in the world, where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best go to teach. So, of course, I'm biased, but I I just encourage you to check it out because nothing else comes close. And you will be on your way to join millions of other folks in our creative community there learning from the world's top experts. Okay, that's it. That's my soapbox. That is the commercial, and we'll hope to see you over Creative Live. Now, let's get back to the show. Steve Sweatpants is in the house. Steve, welcome uh, to the show, bud. Uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I was like, is that all about me? <laughs> 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 uh, thank you for having me, Anna. It's such a, a humongous honor to be on this platform. You know, I've been Creative Live family for a couple of years now, so um, truly humbled to be here, um, especially with the, a legend like yourself, Chase. So, um, uh Welcome to my crib. Uh, yeah, it, it feels good to be uh, in your front room there. And, you know, I, there's a ton of ground that I would like to cover today. And we're already, um, the folks around the world are chiming in where they're where they're listening from. I'll report back from that, um, all those folks worldwide here shortly. In the meantime, just want to retrace not just our steps uh, and your, the, the comment you made with Creative Live. As you said, you've been in the family for a number of years. I remember fondly a... Um, uh, uh, a show featuring your work in our garage space in Seattle the last time you were out there, um, taking a couple of pictures with you and just being inspired by your work. And as I said in the intro, um, I think it's fair to look back on so many careers and see the work being put in and, you know, whatever success has come to bear at any particular time seems to immediately pale in comparison when your work has been thrust into the limelight as yours is so timely, um, so moving, so um, critical to the discussion that's going on right now. And can you can you just open our conversation today with talking to us about what that moment has been this past, I would say, uh, four weeks um, that your images have been everywhere and in service of such a powerful and important uh, time in our world's history. Uh, it's been it's just been a lot to download. It's it's been a, a lot of heavy weeks and a lot of long days. And um, there's is this really strong feeling in my gut that you know when all of this started first going down of how reminiscent of the stories that my my parents were talking about in the seventies of them growing up in New York and them protesting about the same things that we are protesting about today. And I really found that this is a really crucial time for me to project my emotions and uh, and really stand up and use my platform to bring a level of awareness and a level of strength to the situation that's um, probably not seen in the media because of all the full spectrum of, you know, emotions and things that are happening, you know, with the protests and everything that's been involved in the last couple of weeks. So it was really important for me to tell the truth for my people and tell the, and tell the truth for like my mom and my dad and, and having something where you know, I can show the world of what's actually going on and what it actually feels like and what it, I can convey in these moments in the streets of New York right now. So, um, like I said, it's been a lot to a lot to download. It's been really heavy. But at the same time, there's this level of reassurance that 
I wasn't expecting to have at the same time. So, um, yeah, I've never experienced anything like this in my 33, in my 33 years of, uh, you know, being here in New York, you know? Oh, well, the world is, um, celebrating your work right now. We've got San Francisco, Miami, uh, Orlando, San Mateo, California, Jordan from Denver, uh, Philly, more San Francisco. We've got a London, we've got a Paris in the house. London, Um, London family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to say that your, um, the work, uh, there's been a, 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 to quote you, I think not to misquote you, but I think you said a lot of long, hard days in the past couple of weeks. Um, go deep on that for us. Like, what is that? What, what do you mean by that? Are you up early out, out documenting? Do you have a plan? Are you being flexible? I mean, what, 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 what has been a, a typical day or maybe create a deeper picture for us over the course of the past few weeks about for what sure. your time has looked like? Um, you know, there's, you know, my life is kind of crazy because not only am I a photographer, but I'm also, you know, a director and co a director and co-founder of Street Dreams Magazine. So there's a lot of things that I'm not only trying to balance with my photography life, but I'm also trying to, you know, move forth a brand as a, you know, a black owned business with, you know, a Spanish and Asian influence um, in the owners as well, too. So, you know, there's a lot of things that not, I'm not only trying to do individually, but I'm also trying to do brand wise and, and understanding, understanding how we can, you know, have a positive um, effect on the space as well too so i have to be very agile when it comes to um me documenting protests me marching in protests me also trying to figure out ways to how i call it like a phase two of the different levels of how are we going to have you know some actual you know systematic change of you know working with the brands like uh, i work a lot with say coffee and i work a lot with nemesis coffee and finding out how to you know incorporate these brands and other business models into um, our everyday lives so we can create these ecosystems of education that run deeper than not just the photos that we're trying to take in the, in the demonstrations that we're trying to do. So um, the photography part is the therapeutic and also the level of awareness, you know, part of my life that I'm trying to bring to the table. And, and then I put all of my energy and all my love into those photos. And, um, you know, I, I treat my I treat my Instagram like my, like my stoop almost, you know what I mean. So I'm very communal with like you know everyone who comes to my page because I want to you know make sure that they know that I'm as affected by the photos as well too. And you know when you get a chance to get published in you know the New Yorker and I you know I'm being born and raised from New York and like the New Yorker to me is like one of the milestones in my life that I, I've been wanting to achieve you know since I started shooting photos. So being able to be published by them and being on assignment with them is a huge deal, but that also comes with a level of, you know, a defensive tactics that I thought I had to take when, in that first week of, you know, of all of the eyeballs that just started to look at me at a certain point. And there was a lot of different conversations that I was having where I felt defensive about my work. And I know the attention of my work in the first place, especially of everything that I've been through. So and being able to, you know, download that information and understand where to move forward from that was a really big deal for me. And then from the next point on was trying to figure out um, how do I make an effective change in the long term as well, too, by, you know, talking to the Sonys and talking to these other brand companies that we can see if we can make some some actual systematic change. So the days have just been long. So, you know, if I get a chance to play a video game or two, then I'm definitely taking that chance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, certainly earned it. And, and I think the the work that you're putting in right now is something that those of us who are your fans and supporters uh, and and also crafts, your, your, you know, your, your, your peers in the craft of photography 
um, want you to keep going. Uh, the stories that you've been telling um, most recently, as you highlighted in the New Yorker, uh, so powerful. I'm wondering if you can tell us how that how that came about, how those classic, amazing photographs, um, not just the photographs, but but, you know, break down for us how the assignment came to be, because obviously that's, as you said, not just a huge milestone in your career, but as a uh, that publication is so, so renowned and especially for photography uh, and and saying the important and timely poignant things. So how'd that happen? Um, so it all kind of started from the first day that I went out to the protest. I have to give a lot of credit to uh, one of my friends. Uh, he goes by Black Soap Rahim. Um, he was out actually the night before. Um, I live in Bed-Stuy. So he was out the night before at the Barclays Center, which is not too far from Bed-Stuy. And he was on Instagram Live and like really documenting a lot of the things that was happening. And I kept on asking him, um, you know, how long, how much longer is he going to stay out there? But then he, he, you know, he had to go home eventually. So um, the next day I wanted to make sure that, you know, I hit the streets hard and I had a really good chance to, you know, be out there to, you know, when this was happening, because at this point, you know, there was just um, a lot of confusion. And then, the, and you can't really rely on the news all the time to give you, you know, the actual beat of what's happening. And I feel like photography is one of these things where not only do do you have to photograph the moments? You actually have to be there to experience them to understand what you want to photograph and document. So um, the day that I went out to the city was on the 30th, May 30th, I believe. And um, I, I will never forget, I, I got off the train at 14th Street um, and then I started to walk towards Midtown, um, but I didn't see anybody. I didn't see nothing because we're obviously still in the middle of a pandemic. So everything is still, you know, people are not outside. <laughs> There's really nowhere to, nowhere, no, no other way to put it. But um. Um, I texted one of my friends to see um, where they were, and then he, he told me that they were actually at Washington Square Park. So, you know, you should head towards that way. So I, I was on 14th and 5th Avenue. I took, uh, by that point, I was around 20th. I walked about four, four to five blocks up, maybe a little bit more. And then I started to head back towards, uh, towards 14th Street, Union Square area. And then as soon as I started, I took that about face, I walked into you know, like legitimately 500 to 1,000 people and the guy being led with like this dude wearing like a Lucha Libre mask with a, you know, his fist up leading like this legion of people. And then you just hear them enchanting like no justice, no peace. Uh, fuck those racist ass police. And I'm like, oh man, this is the spot, you know. And then immediately like I started shooting photos and it started being, you know, documenting everything. And then we ended up being out there for, you know, at least like five to six hours. We walked over 10 miles um, that day um, and um, bumped into a bunch of different photographers that day. Um, a at least, no, like no bullshit, at least like 20 photographers that day. And everybody was there to, you know, experience what was happening and document what's happening. So the next day, um, I don't think I even slept that night. I pretty, I pretty much, I'm pretty sure I just edited photos all night. And then so I could have everything ready for the morning because I really wanted to make sure I could start telling these stories. Um, the photos started really picking up a lot more steam than they usually do. Um, so I started to check my DMs to see like what was going on. And then um, it was like around four o'clock uh, and then I got a DM from somebody from the New Yorker saying like, hey, like this is urgent, can you actually call me? Um, give them a call and they were saying, hey, like, would, do you mind to be on assignment um, at six o'clock? And it was like 4.30. I was like, I don't even have my battery charged. Like, let me charge this battery for like 30 minutes <laughs> um, because, you know, I, my, my life was everywhere. My room was messy. Like everything was in shambles. Like my life, everything was going crazy for me. So I charged my battery, you know, uh, smoked a little joint <laughs> and then I ran out to the city 
And that's when I was on assignment for the New Yorker for the first time. And we went up to 86th Street. Um, and then I immediately walked into the same vibe. It was legions and legions of people. And the, the energy at these at these protests have been so overwhelming, overwhelmingly positive and um I never seen anything in my life where I saw signs from miles and miles to say that my life matters, you know. And then just to see like everything we were speaking about previously, that people were giving out water. There's people to giving out food. I've seen people from bodegas, like you know, they would shut down the bodega, but then they would open up the you know open up the bodegas to give people like buckets of water and have them take out chips and stuff. Like they were, it was. Is there's just such this feeling of community, and I'm even talking about now, I still get the goosebumps just thinking about it. That I've never experienced anything like that in my life, so. And which is one of those feelings that, you know, I, both those, every time that I've been out to the protest for those, like, I've been to six protests now, just about five of the six protests. Um, and two to three of them, I've been out for 10 miles a day each time and I walked five hours each time, um, like five to six hours. And those are long days, you know, I'm skinny and <laughs> like, I need to, like, <laughs> I need to get a better kind of diet and in general, because I just don't, uh, my adrenaline is pumping so hard, it's hard for me to eat sometimes because there's so much happening. But, um, it's one of those things that is definitely draining in the full spectrum of emotions, but it's an unparalleled feeling to be involved in something like that. Just even marching alone and being able to take photos on top of that, it makes it that much more special to me. This, this notion of being hired by the New Yorker via your DMs an hour before they want to kick off the assignment, I think it's just a just a reminder for everyone who's looking at you and your work and this this story as just a powerful message that having put in the work that you have uh, is it 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 pays off and it's very hard for I, I think for a lot of people to understand this level of uh, work that you've been putting in. So I want to retrace now that we've. Um, establish what the last you know couple of weeks has been like for you. I want to reestablish um, your your work ethic, how you got involved in photography, and this decision that again I, I know a little bit more um, because we were talking before we started uh, broadcasting today, and of course you mentioned that uh, we've been in the same same creative family for a number of years at Creative Live, but. I, I was hoping you could share your creative journey and this idea of believing in the power of your work. Talk to us about that so that uh, you can provide some, you know, not just light and inspiration, but what has come to be a pathway, having to put in the work and then uh, arriving at some point. Talk to us about your journey. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm, 33 years, I'm 33 years old now for context. I'll be 34 in January. Um, so you can buy me a birthday present early. Um, so, but <laughs> uh, I didn't, yeah, but I didn't go to art school. I didn't have an, any of artistic uh, desires growing up. Um, when I went to high school and out here in Jamaica, Jamaica Queens, um, I went to Thomas Edison Technical Vocational High School. And the reason why I went to that school in the first place was because you know, I used to play the cello in, in, the, in the orchestra in junior high school. And my parents told me that, like, you know, it'd be, you know, you'll make more money, like, you know, working with computers. So this is why you're going to go to this high school and, you know, work on computers. Uh, but when I got to high school on the first day, uh, my shop, my shop teacher told me that, you know, for my class's computer repair, that it was cheaper to buy a new computer. 
So I was like, this class is completely pointless in the first place. And uh, we pretty much played Counter-Strike and Yahoo Pool for the next four years <laughs> of high school. So I've, I've immediately learned that, like, you know, my dad was an electrician and I immediately learned that, you know, that I have to find something that I love to do because my father loved being an, an electrician. Um, not only was he an electrician, but he also ran his own business that was Irby Electric and was a contractor, an electrician, and he ran that for 35 years and provided for my family and broke a lot of stereotypes because I came from a nuclear, a nuclear black family. Uh, a lot of people at the time, especially and like in the early nineties is the stereotype was like, Oh no, you, you come from a single parent home. I was like, nah, I have both my parents and, and there's nothing wrong with coming from a single parent home. But like, you know, I just wanted to like reinforce those facts. Like, no, we have, you know, things that my parents, you know, they stuck together, they fought together. They have all these things that they continually broke stereotypes with. And, you know, and um, it was a really huge inspiration for me. So when I got older, I really wanted to figure out something that I love to do. Um, I, at first I loved making money, but I quickly learned that making making money is not the overall arching goal of what I is going to lead me to true happiness. Um, because I worked a bunch of jobs. I mean, I worked at McDonald's, I worked at Express, I worked at Sears, I worked as a custodian, and I was working with my dad as an electrician's helper for a long time. Um, I worked at Fox News, I worked at Bloomberg, I worked at Nickelodeon, um, I worked at GameStop, I worked at REI. <laughs> I've worked pretty much at every single job known to man. And out of all of those things that I've done in my life, I just learned that, you know, you need to do what you love. You know, that's my dad loved being an electrician, like I would like to say over and over again. Um, so eventually when I stumbled upon photography while I worked at when I was working at GameStop, it was a big revelation for me because it was a form of access uh, to something that I could use with my hands, just like I did with my father that was on my terms of like not having to climb up a ladder and bang a copper rod into a ground and, and, and like building circuit breakers and all that stuff. It's beautiful work, but it's definitely a different level of art. I couldn't, I couldn't never really appreciate, but with photography and then like, you know, kind of like this, this form of like visual contracting, I could execute those same kind of goals. So, um, I went through a lot of stuff in my life, you know, um, the reason why I was working a lot in the first place, um, while, while I was working a lot in the first place, I happened to get mugged when I was 18 and I had to get facial reconstruction surgery on my face. Um, and that sent me back for about a year and I had a lot to really like kind of contemplate and think about like, what do I really wanted to do in the first place and stuff like that. And having that kind of resilience and understanding that like, you know, the world keeps spinning and I need to figure out something that I truly love to do was, you know, another layer of all the reason why I decided to, you know, really take this photography stuff seriously once, you know, I stumbled upon, you know, this Instagram world. So I picked up Instagram when I was around 25 and after I picked up Instagram, um, I decided that like, you know, this is really my life. Um, I decided it to like, I got fired. I, get, I mean, fired I got fired from all my jobs, but I got fired from REI um, because I kept on being late from taking photos and like, you know, being distracted because um, I never sucked at being at work, but I, I just was tired of investing my, why invest into a membership when I should be investing into myself? Why or I can be investing into my people. Um, and I just decided to take that route instead. And, um, you know, it was hard. It was hard as hell for me. I had to sleep in my, I had to sublet my room in my, in this current apartment, I had to sublet my room. Uh, sleep on this couch that's pretty much right here to the right of me for damn near about a year to 18 months. Um, but the minute that I had to like, you know, sleep on my own couch, I got my first passport and I was able to go on my first gig with to London, actually, with Coach to cover Men's Fashion Week. And that was like in 2015. And I didn't, I didn't even have, I pretty much was homeless, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> at the time, sleeping on my own couch. So um, I, I went for it because uh, 
you know, life is boring if you just try to play it safe all the time. And then I know that all my situations, I had to be forced to push be, to be pushed out the nest. But um, I've always found a sense of purpose of, you know, trying to keep it simple and do what I love. And um, I really hold true, true to that. And then that's why I feel like all this photography stuff and everything that's kind of including with this visual contracting that I like to, you know, reference it as is really crucial to my happiness. Like, even if I wasn't getting paid for this, I would, I would still be doing this shit anyway. Yeah, there's a, a beautiful quote that I've heard uh, that we've shared uh, a lot in the past couple of weeks here at Creative Live and on my personal channels because it's been so inspirational. You talk about uh, something you had never shared before, which is a friend of yours, something like, uh, you know, confronting you about trying to, you know, live live your dreams. I'm wondering if you can recall that for yeah, us. I will and, never forget um, it. And, and, <laughs> Share um, it with us. What? Yeah, yeah talk sure. to us about uh, that, your, your friend telling you you couldn't do it. So this was definitely, you know, early, early, early in the uh, the days of you know Steve Irby. I think I wasn't even Steve Sweatpants yet. I think I was still referencing myself as Trill Bellamy, which was like my my other <laughs> IG name in reference to Bill Bellamy from How to Be a Player and like any given every, any given Sunday. Um, but I remember. Um, you know, I was picking up, like, I was using like a Nikon, like D2100 or something like that at the time. Um, and I was a unofficial A&R for a rapper. And, you know, we were talking about dreams and ideas. And like, you know, I've always been, I've always been a really nerdy, uh, like a nerdy kid that's been into the other, like, you know, dope shit of the world. You know what I mean? Like I grew up, I grew up listening to like, you know, I grew up in the 90s era of hip hop and the golden era of hip hop in New York. So like that's my frame of reference. And at the same time, you know, I love dinosaurs, you know, <laughs> Power Rangers and all the other nerdy things that was happening in the world. So it like the duality of my life has always been there. So um, I, you know, I've always had ideas and dreams of doing, you know, wanting to do things, even though I didn't have the money to do it. You know, I played a lot of video games, you know, have a big imagination. And I remember like explaining to like one of my friends who's from Long Island, uh, the Queens Long Island area, um, why who we were all at, at the house, like hanging out, like, you know, just just talking. Uh, he was, you know, asking me like what I wanted to do with like you know photography, and like I was seem like I was taking it very serious, and like you know, there's a there's a big thing sometimes, especially in our community, of like this sense of fear if you fail, and uh, the sense of fear if it's too expensive, and like all these different kind of variables that like how are you going to do this thing that seems like it's such an investment of time and money and energy, um, and then when he asked me the question, like, you know, I told him, like, you know, I just want to do, like, some National Ge Geographic kind of stuff. Like, I want to travel the world. Like, you know, been in New York my whole life, you know what I mean? Like, I've been I've been blessed to, like, travel with my family and, like, you know, do stuff, like, within the States. But, like, I, I, I've only been within the United States. Like, I want to see shit, you know? And he looked at me like it was physically un impossible. And, like, he's like, how are you going to do that? And I got so offended because, like, why are you projecting your fears and your insecurities onto me? Um, and then anytime somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm going to like, oh, no, fuck this. I'm going to do that. And I went completely, I used that as fuel for a, such a long time um, that, you know, at most of like, you know, and honestly, at most of sometimes it felt like I looked at, him, looked at him in a negative way. But at the same time, it's not, I didn't look at him in a negative way. I was more or less just, just disgusted with that notion that you, you can't do anything if you try. Um, and I remember bumping into him. And, you know, he has, you know, he has a regular nine to five and there's nothing wrong with having a regular nine to five. Everybody has a regular nine to five. It's human life. 
But when I bumped into him, um, you know, he looked at me like in shock. I was like, oh man, like, you know, I see you've been doing your thing, blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah, motherfucker, I told you. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, I'm like, there's, there shouldn't be like this sense of doubt. If anything, like you need the support system from people that could tell you that you can do it. And, I, and there's nothing against him. And like, you know, we, 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 I'm from New York, so we bust each other's balls all the time. And like, that's what gives us the character and that wit and that, that grit. Um, but I use that stuff as fuel, as fuel all the time. And because it's really important to me to have, um, I always have a chip on my shoulder. And that's what happens when you grow up with a contractor, <laughs> like, you know, an electrician. <laughs> like, you just have this, you have that initial, like, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to build it and I'm going to show you. Oh, that's so action oriented. I love that. And I also love the thing that you just said a second ago about surrounding yourself with your people. Yeah. And talk to us about what role community has. I think a lot of, um, you know, the, the, the idea of the individual artist out there in the world is, you know, it's a, it's a stoic and popular image that culture has created. Um, but I know from having, read about you and from our personal conversations that community has always been really important. And I'm wondering if you can, you know, highlight uh, a couple of examples and um, talk to us about community. Community for me is, uh, is pretty much our whole ethos of, of, of my individual individuality with my art and uh, photography and everything else that, all the other endeavors of creativity that I like, I love to explore, but it's also, you know, the backbone of what we represent as street dreams uh, for our company, for our creative agency and for our magazine. Um, not, not only myself, but like, you know, Eric, uh, Eric Veloso, who is also, also my other fellow co-founder and uh, Mike C, uh, my other fellow co-founder, I call him uncle Mike. Um, all of us come from big families, you know, and then when you come from big families, like you are used to engaging and supporting and, you know, playing around and, you know, just being, being there um, for everyone in your family, uh, for your cousins, for your aunts, your, your uncles, your mom, your pops, like for the grandparents and all that stuff. So the way that we treat street dreams and, um, and everything that we believe about of the things that we create, it it comes from this essence of family. Um, And it's a, a humongous part of, you know, everything that we represent is because the the magazine and like and the art that we're trying to create and and have you know be like these timeless things that we're putting out there in the world is is not just from us it's from everyone so we want everyone who's involved with street dreams and everyone who's either working with us or affiliate affiliated with us or people who just in you know like to come to our instagram page or to our website or listen to our radio we want you to feel as involved and inclusive as possible because you know having all this retail experience and, you know, working, you know, working all these jobs in the first place, one of the things I learned was there's this such big disconnect from, you know, a consumer relationship also from like, you know, the people working with them where we want to take more or less like the, the cash register out the store and then have everybody just be, you know, in the same space together and, and enjoying that space together and, and learning and building because we feel like that's how you, you know, you really grow and be progressive together. Um, so, you know, we just, you know, obviously we just try to stay away from people that are jerks and assholes. And as long as you're a, lo- a loving, caring person that loves your art or loves literally just anything about being, um, you know, progressive into this space, um, we completely uh, condone that. And then we want to project that onto our work as much as possible. Man, um, you said in your intro uh, how important it was to you to speak 
your truth and the truth of your family and use the word your people. Mm -hmm. And we took a little trip down the, the last 45 days of your life being on assignment and helping tell the stories that um, you've been sharing, not just on your Instagram, but again, at these you know, huge major media outlets like GQ and New York and the New Yorker. Um, talk to us about this, uh, about telling truth, speaking truth for your people. It's such a compelling uh, narrative that I think we all want in the world and you've managed to do it. Tell us how. And I think it's a really big, uh, like, introspective look on my life and what I really wanted to communicate um, with my work and for my people. And meaning that, you know, I've, I've had really awesome mentors and OGs that I look up to, like Jamel Shabazz, who I would, you know, shout his name from the mountaintops, and also Joseph Rodriguez, who've been, uh, I feel, hugely instrumental in um, my process over the last couple of years of working with them in the last issues of Street Dreams magazine and also on some other things that we have, you know, coming out in the works with them as well, too. And one of the things that um, Jamel Shabazz told me um, during one of these panel talks that we've hosted with him um, at the Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn headquarters a couple of months ago was that um, his sense of purpose was that he was fighting for love. You know, everybody could look at these different things from his photos. And if you ever have a chance to look at Jamel Shabazz's work, I highly suggest you do. Um, and if once you look at his work and you see, you know, the black experience of what it's like to be in Flatbush, Brooklyn in the 80s and what it's like to be out, out in East New York and all these different places. And, and then you can look at the you can look at the photos for like, you know, the rope chains and the jewelries and the, and the gazelles and like, you know, the radios and the gear. Or you can look at it for the deeper substance of it, of what it is of being loved and community and togetherness. And that really hit home for me in a lot of different ways because Jamel Shabazz is somebody who's came, he came from my neighborhood, who's published some of the, my favorite books ever known to man. And I can actually physically talk to him, especially that's everything that's happened um, with my father, you know, you know, having his four strokes last year and not being able to, you know, be able to talk and, you know, and move around like that as much as he, he could, uh, could back in the day having like these people like the Joseph Rodriguez's and like the uh, Jamel Shabazz's gave me a deeper sense of purpose with my work and understanding of all these things that I've been trying to communicate in the first place. So um, having an opportunity to speak on these platforms and, and show, showcase my work on these platforms is, I mean, exponentially, exponentially stronger education wise in the future, because um, there's a really full circle thing that's happening right now with a lot of these stories. And I'm not the one of the kind of people to say that, like, I think black people, only black people should be documenting stories. I think that it should be for everyone, honestly, because I feel like we need as many allies as possible. But however, it is really important to have a full circle story um, on a spectrum of a black experience um, to document something like this, because we are looking for things that other photographers, quite frankly, just won't look for because of how we raised. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the actual beauty of life. You know, um, that's something that should be highlighted and, and the perspective should be put on a platform and not just because of our skin color, but also from our perspective of where we're from and, and everything that we've been through for these last 400, 500 years that we've been fighting to be on this, uh, on this continent in the first place. How did you, how did you find these mentors that you've referenced? Uh, you, you talked about it, you know, being a part of a family and family 
almost you've talked about it seemingly in like concentric circles. You've got your immediate family, which you've talked a lot about. You talked about in your TED talk. You talked about the community of creators. You've talked about your creative live family in that community. It seems like, you know, you, this is a huge fundamental piece uh, of your life and your work. How have you cultivated that specifically with some of the the you know renowned folks that you cited that you can now have a conversation with? Um, yeah, that just doesn't happen from you know sitting at home playing video games, despite how much fun it might be. Uh, <laughs> so how, how did you how, how did you cultivate these relationships? Um, I try to be as unpretentious as possible. I try to also be as hardworking as possible. Um, I try to be communicative as possible and, um, I try to do the work. And I think a lot of the times I, you know, get so lost in the fact that I'm trying to do the work that some, you know, it's, it's awesome always to see, uh, the feedback and it being responded to well, but, you know, I don't think, I mean, every photo, every next photo I feel like is literally going to be my next best photo. And I, not to say that I don't judge my work with a level of uh, respect because I definitely do because that's why I'm taking the photos. But I know that there's a long road to go. So um, every time that I approach like, you know, the OGs of the world, like um, and having a chance to work with them with a platform like Street Dreams, honestly, to be able to feature their work and 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 encapsulize it and leave it in our little time capsules, if you will. Um, it not only can I offer them a level of respect to our demographic to show them like, you know, we care and we're going to keep on passing the torch. But um, I bug these dudes, you know, I genuinely ask them questions and I don't try to be um, so uh, there's a, there's an intricate balance of being annoying and also be very, being very in tune of what they have going on as well too. And I really try to hold that, hold that true to myself. So um, yeah, like I, I forgot to even mention like Mel D. Cole is another one that I, that I, I look up to as well too. And I got to mention recent, got to meet recently and like Ricky Powell, the, the legend who's one of the, one of my favorite people in New York because of everything that he brings to the table. Like all these dudes are, you know, they're hardcore about their work and they take it very seriously. So I know that they want to see someone that's younger than them take it as seriously and know that they can pass the mantle on to someone who is trying to do it the right way. So um, I definitely am aware of all that stuff. And I don't try to be a weirdo. I just try to be regular with people. You know what I mean? Like, just say what I feel. <laughs> uh, I, I've heard you talk about uh, where the sweatpants part of your name came and you talk about being casual and comfortable and uh it sounds like am i putting words in your mouth if i say that's that's in part how you've approached some of your mentors in sort of a casual comfortable uh but respectful way is that me putting words in your mouth or is that uh does that close the circle yeah no that's spot on um that's that's part of my whole you know that's part of my whole moniker um the reason why i you know came up with the name and created the name is not only to pay homage to my mom making fun of me all the time for procrastinating because i don't want to wash the dishes or do my homework but also it's the meaning of you know having people feel comfortable and i want to be comfortable and i want people to be comfortable around me so that whole that's paramount to me more than anything like i don't want anybody coming into my space trying to fake the funk and vice versa you know um because it doesn't lead anywhere you know <laughs> it doesn't lead absolutely anywhere uh so i try to really hold that true to my to what i'm trying to do well i want you to know that i'm wearing sweatpants with man, thank god homage and respect to you right now my man thank god <laughs> i was gonna just end the chat I was like i'm out <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
you talked about a lot of, uh, you know, respect and knowing what your mentors are doing and being persistent, but you've also heard no. What about Kevin Durant? Oh, you've Kevin heard... Durant. That's my man. Oh my God. That's my, he's my favorite basketball player right now. Uh, <laughs> being able to, I've been, being able to shoot him was honestly just insane. Uh, that's my guy. <laughs> but you've also heard no. And I want, I want you to uh, help us understand what, when, when someone tells you no, uh, how, how has that motivated you? How has that set you back? Because so far I haven't heard anything set you back. Everything's been motivating and inspiring. Even, you know, your friend that, that was talking shit that you couldn't do it. Yeah. And that was motivating. Is there, um, are there low points for you? Is there frustration? All the time. And all the time. I think that my my thing is when you have uh, sometimes when you have such like a motor like that I get from my dad like if, of always going that we're we're uh, so empathetic that we get so I get so emotionally invested into things where I need to take myself out of it because um, I get in too deep you know I get in too deep and I get too emotionally involved and I get too invested and it becomes this thing where I, um, I have a fear of being stagnant and. I also have a, a tendency of being self-destructive sometimes, not all the time of being like, you know, I like to drink, you know, if, so if I feel bad about something like, oh, you know, I'm gonna hit the bottles today or something like that. So I have to be very aware of like this full balance of emotions and not trying to take everything in at the same time, because um, um, you have to take it, you have to take it day by day. And I, I do get the sense of like, you know, I'm just trying to do all this shit. I'm just trying to do as much shit as possible. And then every time I realize that I can't do that, um, it is like one of those things that I get frustrated, but also you take that deep breath of like, you know, I have to take it day by day. Like I have to give myself like these level of short-term goals of actionable, actionable goals, because um, I keep on saying that the world keeps on spinning. So if I, if I don't um, align myself properly, I know that it could, you know, depression is a real thing. Like, you know, if it, that, uh, that sits with everyone. And that definitely sits with me. Like if I read Twitter for more than 20 minutes that I've, I've almost get like a fucking panic attack, you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of, it's just heavy, you know, all of it is just so heavy. So I had to really like tune in and tune out and understand that balance, balance my chi as much as I can, you know? Um, zero one five seeds from IG live as a follow on question to that. And it's after this fire and the fuel of negative disbelief, like the, the, the stuff that your friend motivated you earlier. Um, what other fuels slash tricks do you utilize to push yourself for more? That's a great question. Um, I, I find inspiration in a lot of different things. And I feel like one of the constant sources of inspiration is how do I project my emotions onto the day? You know, there's a lot of references that I, I do with my photography that is referencing um, to the theme again of family. Like, you know, I have a photo that recently I just posted yesterday of a, like a little girl shooting the fireworks outside, like right, as, right outside of my building. And that just kind of reminded me of the times of me, like I never shot a fire. I never shot fireworks with my parents and like, you know, and stuff like that. But we used to, you know, we, just hanging out, shooting it, like, you know, shooting the shit with my parents or like, you know, singing Alicia Keys with my mom or like, you know, or doing like, you know, me and my dad, like dancing to Michael Jackson, something like that back in the day. Like it, it reminded me of one of those things. And um, there's a, another photo that I, I took in before where um, 
there's like a guy who's riding a bike like down the middle of the street, like, you know, by himself in the middle of Times Square. And and then for that, I wanted to project the feeling of like there's some I am legend kind of feeling of that's the time in the city where it was nobody outside. It was like one man against the world. Like he's wearing like an American face mask and stuff like that. So I'm projecting a lot of when it's not when I'm not using like that chip on my shoulder um, to like, you know, because I, I always like to use the chip on my shoulder because that, that's honestly my favorite fuel. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. But I also like to uh, project a lot. And uh, projecting emotions and projecting references of my life is uh, 100% what I do, do in my work. So I'll, I'll be able to look back at every photo and know exactly how I'm feeling and what, who I was thinking about. Um, before, Thank you. That's amazing. Um, and uh, 015 Seeds gives you a shout out. Thank you for... Uh, answering that question. Um, before we started broadcasting, you know, we're in a time of massive civil unrest and uh, uh, culture's movement towards social justice. We were talking about uh, a little bit about truth. I want to visit this again. And, and we were um, shaking our heads about my experience at the, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone here in Seattle. And, and um, how the media have portrayed it largely uh, with doctored photographs and composited videos of things that actually have not happened there or are not real. And I'm trying to, you know, make some videos to like, look at this. There's free medical supplies, free food, water, citizen driven patrols. And I'm curious because we, we didn't get to it. We went live right before I got to hear the other side of that, you know, your piece of truth. And what role does truth play for you personally and for your work? Um, I, truth is, I mean, I wish there was like a kind of like a, I, could, I wish I could kind of refer to my work as like a hamburger, if you will. And truth is like, truth is like the sub is like the meat of it. You know what I mean? Like there has the, the art element is like, you know, like the lettuce and the dressing, you know, the bun could be like sometimes the caption <laughs> for, for me. Um, but like the truth telling is is the heart of the story uh, of the storytelling and like and I call, I look at it as like you know new age folk tales of being able to carry on this message so um, that's why it's so important to be you know actually be there first to understand what's going on and a lot of those times and you know just documenting these very dis, the, the divisive moments you know it's really easy to you know go towards a certain kind of narrative that kind of fits something that you. Uh, that, that you feel comfortable with. Um, but I think it's really important th through photography and through the videos and through art, um, especially being at these marches and protests that, you know, you see like people giving out the food, you see like the people from the bodegas giving out the water and giving out food. Um, you see like the people with the, uh, the medical aid, you see the nurses, you know, all the nurses and the doctors out in the streets clapping for everybody. You see the firefighters were, you know, you know, rocking out with everybody and marching in solidarity. You see like the the, uh, the LBGTQ community, you see black people, you see Spanish people, you see Asian people, you see white people, you see, I've seen white people turning up more for black folks I've ever seen in my life. And and, and a lot of these situations where, where it still gives me goosebumps just thinking them and, and just seeing it and witnessing it. So um, I know that it's easy to think about, you know, talk about the looting or the burning buildings because that's like those, the actionable things that people are seeing are happening in, in real time and that you can, you know, you could tweet and like, you know, it's so shocking. But when you see the root of what's going on and understanding the solidarity and the unification that is 
the 99.9% of the goal of what's happening in these marches. And you can actually see, it might, might be the big best change, but you see the reforms slowly happening, but surely there's a lot more work to do. You can't deny that, you know, you can't look to like all these news sources for your news. Like you actually have to speak to the people who've been on the ground or actually experience it yourself. And I feel like um, this is our time to tell the truth in the age of like where there's just narratives everywhere. Like what what is your, what are you, what are you going to do that's not going to be the easy, easy way out. The easy way out is easily just gravitating towards those things. But what are you actually going to do to actually see what's happening if you're, if you're physically capably able to? So, um, I, I mean, I just don't, I, I don't see any other way. Mm. Well, you're getting a shout out from uh, Chitan in India, from Ahmed in Lyon, France, uh, Mobile out peace, of peace. Alabama, Steve, Alvin in, Alvin in uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Um, my, I love Baltimore. <laughs> um, Jonathan Thompson from YouTube's chimed in with a question that I, I, I think I'm thinking about from the artists in the community who are listening and watching right now. Um, and that is, what is the best effective way to hunt out, find, and see these stories that you've been able to amplify and tell? It's sort of related to the truth thing, but also in pursuit of, you know, finding voice and and images that can actually tell the stories that you want to tell uh jonathan wants to know what's the most effective way yeah to to hunt these stories it's it's definitely tough i'm not going to say it's easy um there is tons of information flying around all the time i feel one of the best ways to see what's happening on the ground is you know to really try to figure out the photographers that are documenting um, do- documenting these stories and the people that are out on the videos. I know there's been a lot of different like live streams of protests. I mean, I, I, f- I stumbled upon me being in a live stream in a protest um, on for the Union Square one on the May 30th. Um, so I know that there's a lot of these situations where you can actually see what's going on that doesn't have someone narrate, narrating the story all the time, that you can actually physically see what's going on. So you have to be really vigilant and, uh, and look for them. The couple, of, the couple of people that I could suggest for photographers to look for is definitely Mel D. Cole. Um, Mel D. Cole, uh, he is documenting it pretty much every single day. He's out there in the streets. He's actually experiencing everything from Jersey City to New York to the Bronx to like, he's going out there everywhere. Um, Skinny was here as another person that's been documenting a lot of the protests and everything that's going on on the ground. Uh, Anthony Gethers, that's a G-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. Um, another one of my photographer friends who's been on the ground. There's a lot of, you just have to really look for the work to see who's doing it. And, uh, um, and I, yeah, I'm definitely not going to say it's easy, but, uh, but the more that you find like the people that are connected ground roots, uh, gra- you know, the ground and uh, the ground zero kind of people, the grassroots people that are connected to the scenes, um, you can get a little bit more truth out of these situations, um, that you could help form a different kind of opinion on top of everything else that's going on. Because I just had to keep on stressing to say it's a full spectrum of shit that's happening <laughs> that you kind of, you have to look at everything in order to understand, um, a part of it, you know. Do you believe in lanes? Yeah, I've heard you talk uh, about um, your your home base being New York and telling the stories of, to use your words, your people. Is that your lane and, and do you have one? And what would you advise to others who are, you know, seeking to find their creative voice? 
and one of my one of my voices is definitely trying to you know have a voice for my people, really documenting the black experience as truthful as possible. But overall, it's just my my overall goal with photography is just enjoying life. That's why I hate like classifying myself as a photographer sometimes. Like street photography would definitely be my foundation because I've always gravitated towards street photography like I gravitated towards hip hop. It's a sense of discovery, it's a sense of freedom, it's a fluidity that has always been apparent um, in my life and I like to contribute in my work. But I just love being alive and telling the truth and like and just showing like what's going on in the world, period. Like the heaviness that's happening in the world it's because like my life feels heavy, you know, but like when shit is sweet, then my work would probably feel a little bit sweeter. You know what I mean? Like, because I am, the, I am empathetic of what, what's going on in the world and I'm not like, you know, taken away from it. You know, even if I'm posting photos of, you know, a little girl shooting fireworks, there's a little glimmer of hope in my life that I see, you know, that I'm trying to translate, you know, but it doesn't mean that shit is all sweet. You know, um, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to tell the truth and like, live a full successful life and have my family be able to have a strong name that, you know, stands the test of time. Mm. Um, speaking of truth, some folks shouting out your creative live class, 13,600. Oh <laughs> my God, that's crazy. I've <laughs> taken it a hundred percent of people who have taken it, who've, for, uh, who've done a review, have recommended it. And that's, that's amazing. I can say, I, I remember, humbling. Well, I remember one aspect of your class uh, the last time I tuned into it, um, and it was about, I think, photographing the little things, or actually, I can probably pull it up. It was something about the little things, the yeah. details. Yeah. Um, how how does that manifest in your work? How do you think about that, or do you, when you're approaching your work? Um, I'm obsessed with the little details of my work, and uh, there is... There's definitely going to be a time where I'm, I'm, I'm working on a lot of different books this year, actually. And to re this is the year I'm releasing books, which is going to be really dope. It's long overdue. Um, but I'm, I'm obsessed with the full spectrum of a story. So there are definitely a lot of details that go into just everyday life that, that could lead into the, this grandiose moment, you know. So I'm obsessed with like seeing the little stickers and like seeing like, you know, the little a person carving, like there's a guy literally doing a willy down my block right now. You know what I mean? Like there's all like these little different things that is happening that the best detail about him on the, doing a wheelie on the bike is that he has like a blue bandana that's tied and, you know, people be out here, <laughs> you know? So it's all paying homage to like the neighborhood. So it's all these, all these little details are very intricate towards, you know, the overarching story because, you know, it's just like having a plain sandwich with nothing on it. Like, you know, you know, if you add a little bit different kind of flavors to it, like it adds so much more personality and individuality to it. And I'm really, uh, conscious of that all the time because uh you know I'm I'm referencing stuff like my long love of anime you know my long love of like you know basketball and my long love of like you know hip hop music of you know sample the sample culture and hip hop and like you know uh being able to understand where the references come from it has the same kind of intricacies in my work as well too to me everything you just talked about is about personal style yeah and I feel like this is the most elusive thing for for creators and for entrepreneurs. People are starting, whether it's magazines or, you know, just trying to get their own business, solopreneurship or, or, or whatever off the ground. Um, how have you refined your personal style and what advice would you give to others who are struggling to achieve that? Uh, I guess the, the biggest 
the biggest thing to achieving, I guess, personal style for me is uh, being very open-minded to the sense of discovery. You know, just like, I mean, I love observing stuff. I love, I don't, there's things I don't like because I know I don't like them. Because <laughs> like, I've tried it enough to know that I don't like this. But I still am not overly, you know, it still doesn't mean that I still won't even observe just to have a reference of what's going on, you know? Like, when I say that I enjoy being alive, like, I enjoy all aspects of being alive, you know? Like, all the little things about it, there's all little intricacies to make it dope, you know? And, you know, washing the, dish, washing the dishes is terrible until, like, you have good music, you know? Um, or, like, you know, there's all these little kind of diff different things that I really, you know, it all matters, you know, to me. So. I don't ever like kind of, you know, exclude anything when I'm, you know, creating a moment or you're creating anything for myself because I take everything that the world has to give as a reference towards, you know, completing one singular task. Um, uh, because it's, it feels kind of selfish and like, you know, ungrateful to not incorporate everything else that's not going on and just to equate everything else that's going on. And it's kind of boring that way too. Mm. Uh, Lori Callistad is thanking you for this wisdom. So many takeaways and action steps and notes. Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so what is next for you? We are in the middle of not just a pandemic, but a, a revolution. Yeah. And I, I'm curious how far ahead you're planning. Are you you know, is your mission to wake up and go document this revolution that is happening right now? Have you thought about, you mentioned books, you know, are, how much of your time is spent living in the moment versus projecting into the future about projects and about where it is that you want to take your work, yeah. your message, um, share that with us. Um, the best way I, like, I since I have, a, I have such a busy brain that I have to kind of break it down into like a short-term goals and long-term goals. So the short-term goals, there are, I like to refer to this part as phase two. And I've been doing uh, my due diligence to be involved in as many uh, initiatives as possible. So um, we ran, I think the sale, the print sale is just over with this one, but I've ran something with Merchaid and the guys over there. Um, uh, running a, a program right now with uh, this company called Change, C-H-N-G-E, um, doing a print sale with them as well, too, that, that goes back to all these different initiatives and bailout programs that, um, that are doing all the hard work that, you know, I'm only just taking pictures. <laughs> so hopefully I can help out um, on that front as well, too. And, and I'm launching a uh, print sale tomorrow with um, a good friend of mine who goes by New York Nico and uh, Christelle Studios uh, called uh, uh, Photos for the Re Photos of the Revolution. Uh, have 17 incredible photographers involved with that. Um, one of my good friends, Devin Allen, is one of the photographers that is involved with. Uh, he just got his second New York I mean, his second time cover, um, so he's involved in one of that print run as well too. Um, he did the the first time cover he got from the Baltimore riots back five years ago, and he's getting this this uh, civil rights movement um, that's going on right now as well too, which is incredible. And a black photographer from Baltimore actually. Um, and uh, phase two is really important to me because this is the part where we can, you know, give everybody a chance to, you know, have be a part of the revolution and be, be part of the movement by, you know, purchasing art. And art is a very instrumental part of, you know, how everybody is going to see the future educationally wise. And this is our version of, you know, dictating our textbooks, if you will, of what we're going to see in the future. So it's really important for me to be involved with all those initiatives and, and having those run parallel to what we have going on at streetdreams.co um, on our website as well, too. Um, I've been working a lot with, uh, we started this, uh, 
our other baby, our other baby we gave birth to <laughs> in the family is uh, Street Dreams Radio, and uh, Street Dreams Radio is a, a huge part of a huge a huge part of our ecosystem right now, and we're finding very tactful ways of you know having all of the different protests and all the different movements that has been happening sampled into the music and, and having that live forever into the mixes that is running on Mixcloud right now. So um, when there is going to be a time where we can start doing things in public again, um, can't wait to bring those activations back into the space again, because we've been running Street Dreams radio parties for the last two years. Um, and then on the, the other end, um, this is a little bit too early to talk about, but I have a lot of faith in this project is um, working on something with Sony to build out a, a long-term curriculum in our neighborhoods to really figure out things that I can see something that's actionable that's happening in like the Bed-Stuy's and the Bushwick's and also like in the Seattle's and like the, my friends out in Houston, my friends in Baltimore, my friends in Chicago and, and LA and like all over like the states where uh, there needs to be things in our community that we can actually see. And the biggest commodity right now that we don't have in the hood is access. And that's um, everything that we need right now. And the more access that we have is going to allow people to have dreams and allow people to have different kind of goals besides the stereotypical things that even though we love to do is not everything that we want to do. Um, so um, that's a really important long-term goal for me, uh, working out this curriculum curriculum for our communities, for Sony. Um, and then that goes into the partnerships that I'm doing with uh, Say Coffee and Nemesis Coffee. Of We're coming out with um, a Street Dreams Coffee brand that's going to be uh, there's going to be a chance that people can have, uh, you know, could purchase some coffee that is going to a great cause. And, you know, you can see where the, all the money is going. So you have that kind of transparency um, going along with that as well, too, and, and developing all these kind of uh, different programs uh, with these different brands. If I'm talking too much, just let me know, because I feel like I just know. No, I'm telling you as an ally, like I'm looking for ways to support. And yeah. and I know that is a huge piece like one of the core values at Creative Live is community. Yeah. And creativity, access, and community are our first three of seven values. And it is so beautifully encapsulated in what you're saying and sharing right now. Um, so this community is looking for ways to, to be supportive. And to your point of, uh, it was along the, uh, the, the lines of access, and, and uh, you talked about it in curriculum um, in partnership with Sony. Just I'm saying it right here in front of everybody that whatever way Creative Live can be supportive of cultivating this curriculum, making it available using our worldwide global platform for to provide access. You've got my support, the support of all the resources Thank of Creative you. Live. Um, and, you know, Steve Gottlieb just chimed in from Facebook Live or sorry, from uh, YouTube Live, fascinated with photojournalism and street photography, you know, hoping to... Um, you know, can you recommend some a, a way for street photographers to get started? So whether you're talking to Steve or um, some of the communities that you talked about serving, uh, what is what is a, a way that you could suggest people get into photography, uh, whether that's the path that you chose or if you had to give someone guidance today, uh, where or how would it be? Uh, I guess the best advice that I have for photography is um, before even picking up a camera or or, or an iPhone is understanding um, what you want to communicate. And then the more in tune that you have with what your vision is, that your vision doesn't require you to have a camera. The more in tune of the vision that you want to communicate and project onto the world, um, it would give you more of a reassurance of figuring out what you want to document and what do you want to encapsulate to make these timeless moments. Um, the beautiful thing about 
what I love, one of the reasons why I love street photography, especially from when people are being very truthful and honest of it, is you get to see a real depiction of where somebody lives or and or what you see in your neighborhood. So there is this weird balance of being able to document, not only be truthful of what you want to document and understanding like where you want to take it, but also like where you live and understanding like all the people and 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 individuals and stories that live in those specific neighborhoods. Like um obviously being born and raised in New York, I live in pretty much like the epicenter of the world when it comes to pretty much just shit going down. So I know it sounds a little bit like, oh man, you could just go outside in New York. But I mean, I love seeing photos from anywhere. Like if somebody's taking photos in Gary, Indiana that of, of their community, that's tight. If somebody's taking photos in Honolulu or if somebody's taking photos in New Zealand or you know, Czechoslovakia, I don't, I really don't care where it is, as long as there, there's a level of truth and honesty and obviously a level of style and artistic individuality. Um, those are the most important things I think you need to convey in the message, uh, message of street photography. Um, and I guess the most important, important part of it is a level of, uh, a, a level of it being candid. You know, a lot of these situations aren't forced all the time. It's really just being able to be there and be present. Um, I'm not saying don't talk to anybody because that's completely not what I'm saying, but understanding to have the balance of like the candid moments and also understanding how to communicate with the people you're interacting with uh, gives the stories that much life. Mm. Last question before I, I let you uh, get back to work. Cause I, I know Are you probably hear like talked the, about the it. Trucks backing up. They, they, they start, <laughs> That's right. they They're start coming again. to pick you up right now. All right, Steve, it's time. Come to pick you up to go to Best work. Best is always live. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the events of the past um, month have, as, as we mentioned earlier in our conversation, for those folks who turning in, who are tuning in, it's really, I, I want to steer you back to the beginning of this. If you're just now tuning in, um, look for the podcast coming out or, or this at creativelive.com slash TV, because um, you did a, a really nice job of articulating what this moment means. How are you going to continue to stay embedded in a movement? How, how are, do you have plans that are concrete enough to share with us such that we know, you know, the best places to follow you? We know what, uh, you, you've been very clear about the stories that you've told in these photographs that appeared in the New Yorker. Um, I, I feel like the world is watching, um, black artists now more than ever before and watching your art as, you know, it's just been shot into the limelight what are you doing how can we be supportive very explicitly and is there any prescription uh that you would give to those allies watching on what to do to support um, i guess the first thing i would like to say or, or even just to state is that you know racism is not going to stop in our lifetime probably and and i'm i hate to be the bearer of bad news with something like that but it's just one of those realities that we have to face but at the same time, there is a bunch of hope and a bunch of reassurance that we have right now to have proper education and systemic things that last a lifetime that, you know, that kids and grandkids and, and everybody in the future does, doesn't have to worry about all the shit that we have to do right now. So if we are all adamantly doing things that we can have, you know, long-term change and long-term educational kind of processes that actually give access and information towards, you know, the love and humanity that is actually over, overcoming a lot of the things that are, that is happening in the world right now, 
that stuff always does that always prevails and that always stands the test of time and we just can't take the easy route you know there's nothing going to be easy there's nothing easy about this fight you just need to be down to fight for life <laughs> and just to know that we need as much support as we have because this is something that's going to be uh, a long-term thing this is not this is not a two-week tussle like i like to keep on saying over and over again like this is a long haul um and everything that we're doing um individually uh, on street dream i mean everything i'm doing individually with street dreams and um and in the future um we're, we're setting up a lot of things and a lot of different opportunities for people to be not only informed of what's going on on through art and through music but also to have actual chances to give back towards um these different initiatives that we have going on so um if anybody has the time to go to our website which is streetdreams.co uh it's not com streetdreams.co um we'll be posting this week um the prints, uh, the prints for a revolution. The seventeen different photos from the seventeen different, incredibly different photographers that we're going to be having going up. Um, that's going to be going live tomorrow, and also going to be going live on the Street Dream site, where you have a chance to uh, participate um, and be involved in support. That's also going to be live um, on Dark Room as well, too. Of uh, the good guys over there. Um, there are two books that I'm working on. Um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and make the official announcement for the book. It's a, a three book, a three part book series that I'm working on called How You Holding Up. And it's a, a mental look on just the overall look of 2020. And we're going to go we're going to go through it by layers because I think it's really important to go through things at a, a one thing at a time. So we first need to really address a, just pandemic and coronavirus in general and really heal with that process and understand what happened. And then the second book is going to be everything of the tension and the revolution that's happening with the social injustice and the and the, the civil rights movement and how we're going to heal and unify from that. And um, the third book is going to be a, a surprise and we're going to figure out um, and have everybody, you know, be very in tune and hopefully everybody's still in, you know, interested and be involved in, and, and support that as well, too. But, yeah, I'm really excited to drop this book called How You Hold It Up and, uh, and launch that with a full digital platform and a gallery that everybody can um we could create a space where we can keep on talking about our issues and just being really open about this stuff and and not having we don't have to talk about black issues during black history month every single time like we can talk about these things all the time um and i'm just gonna make it a, a real concerted effort to um have like these different phases of the plan so if everybody wants to like you know support and, and all the support is very humbling and is actually making a real difference and you know and, and everybody counts and we really appreciate that so um, it starts with streetdreams.co and on our website, and we're launching this big print sale with New York Nico and Crystal Studios tomorrow um, that they could check the information on our Instagrams and on our website. And then we are launching how, the book, How You Holding Up, to be released in a couple of months, which is the three-part series, which is I'm really excited about as well, too. And make sure you always check out Street Dreams Radio. Well, uh, unconditional pledge support from myself, from Creative Live, uh, thank you so much for being on the show, for helping us understand your journey, your mission, and uh, what's next for you. It's so inspirational, and I just I, I go back to our conversation at your show in the in the garage of Creative Live in Seattle uh, just over two years ago now, and um, your impact is seem seemingly exponential. So. I just want you to know I'm a huge fan and everyone in this community, again, people chiming in from all over the world right now. Uh, very excited from the boat for, about the books that are coming up. Um, Bosnia, 
giving you a shout out right now. Humboldt, California is in the house. It's Jersey crazy. City. Jersey City. It's crazy. My neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, honestly, Tr- truly I, a worldwide I'm, audience. I'm beyond humbled with this, uh, with this opportunity. I chase your legend, and you, you definitely didn't have to do this. Um, forever grateful for the opportunity to be a teacher in the first place with the Creative Live family. And, and just, you know, everything that you're doing right now for this movement is everything is really, uh, really appreciated. And hopefully this goes as, as far as it can, because um, it's a really important work you're doing. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, and I appreciate everybody coming online, too. I know I could talk a lot. I talk really fast and shit. <laughs> no, but I appreciate everybody. Uh, Bosnia, London, Paris, Humboldt, <laughs> California, Baltimore. I, if I missed anybody, you could just scream at me in my DM. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're happy to show up, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the show. Everyone, uh, please go check out Steve Sweatpants on the IG and uh, stay tuned for more. Uh, hopefully, we, we can uh, talk offline here about this, uh, the way that Creative Life can be supported oh, hell yeah, in, please. In, in, in this curriculum ongoing for... Yeah, we're on it. Uh, signing off to everyone who's tuned in from around the world. Thank you so much. Make sure to pay attention to Steve and his work. Uh, and just know, Steve, that we're here for you, man. Peace. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you so much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple Podcasts page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here, whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds, tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shout outs in my feed too. Um, not only do these shout outs, uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, I want to say thanks. I'm just at Chase Jarvis. You can use at Creative Live as well. And the guests are easy to track down because they are, well, they're usually quite well-known people. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to being in your ears again, hopefully tomorrow.